Chapter 7 Guidance for the Guide Quote from An Evening Prayer, Zen Buddhism Let me respectfully remind you life and death are of supreme importance. Time swiftly passes by and opportunity is lost. Let us strive to awaken, awaken. Take heed, do not squander your life. To be asked by someone who is dying to serve as their spiritual guide is both an honor and a privilege. It is an honor because it means that the person has such high regard for your spiritual counsel that they are willing to entrust themselves to you during the most critical time of their life, the passage through death's gate. It is a privilege because guiding someone through this passage can be a profound spiritual experience for you, the guide, as well. Always remember, however, that the honor and privilege which attach to this office call in turn for deep humility and an acute sense of gratitude. Indeed, you should take humility and gratitude to be your guiding virtues in the performance of this work. Guard against becoming puffed up with your own self-importance, and do not neglect to give continuing thanks for being summoned to such a sacred service. The Period Preceding the Actual Hour of Death Depending on the dying person's illness, this period may last for days, weeks, or months. You should arrange to visit the dying person on a regular basis, perhaps once or twice a week, more if need be. During this time you should begin to familiarize yourself with the mystical literature concerning death so that you will be in a better position to answer questions, give advice, or recommend some text he or she might want to read. You should also take up your own death practice while you serve as a spiritual guide. If you and the dying person are both engaged in the same practice, this will help forge a bond of true spiritual empathy between you. Your primary job during this period, however, is to be a good listener. Let the dying person set the agenda for your conversations. If you suspect the person is reluctant to talk freely about his or her feelings, you can try to initiate a discussion by openly and honestly expressing your own. If the person still doesn't respond, don't press the issue. Let it go until your next meeting. Sometimes powerful emotions take a while to percolate to the surface. If, on the other hand, the dying person is eager to talk, you must listen with great compassion and be willing to enter fully into whatever experiences he or she wishes to communicate. Keep in mind Paul's admonition to the Romans. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind one with another. You must also be prepared for surprises. The period just prior to death represents a last opportunity for someone to confess misdeeds, make restitution, and otherwise clear their conscience. Consequently, you may be shocked by some secret the dying person chooses to reveal. If this happens, abandon all judgments and offer reassurances that whatever is said will be held in the strictest confidence. The trust that a dying person places in you as a spiritual guide is sacred and must never be betrayed under any circumstances. Finally, do not forget your sense of humor. 
there will be many occasions when sharing a good joke will express greater compassion and provide more spiritual benefit than quoting a thousand scriptures. It was not without reason that Christendom's most celebrated poet, Dante, called the journey to God a divine comedy. THE HOUR BEFORE DEATH As a spiritual guide, you must be ready day or night to go immediately to the dying person when the hour of death draws near. At that time, your main task will be to coach the person through the eight stages of death, periodically reminding them to maintain their spiritual practice throughout the process. It is important to remember, however, that no one will have exactly the same experiences in exactly the same order, nor will the stages always be as clearly distinguishable as the outline given in chapter 2 of this book might suggest. Therefore, you must pay close attention to the person who is dying and take your cues as to what is happening directly from him or her. For example, the dying person might suddenly sit up and wave away some frightening apparition that is invisible to you. If this happens, don't get alarmed. Simply remind the person that whatever they are seeing is only imaginary and has no power to cause harm. At other times, the person may drift off into a kind of twilight sleep filled with troubling dreams. Again, remind him or her that such dreams have no reality in themselves, and there is nothing ultimately to be afraid of. On the other hand, if the person seems to be sleeping peacefully, do not disturb them with verbal instructions, but continue to communicate silently in the form of heartfelt prayers. Sometimes a dying person will make what seem to be unintelligible comments about the position of objects or people in the room, Listen carefully. He or she may be having an out-of-body experience and be viewing the whole scene from an entirely different perspective. Ask if this is indeed the case. If it is, reassure the dying person that such experiences are perfectly normal and encourage them to enjoy it. Whatever happens, be flexible, fitting your response to the way the person's death actually unfolds, rather than to any preconceptions you have about how it should unfold. Above all, periodically remind the dying person to continue their death practice throughout all the stages, even after physical death has occurred. Never assume the dying person can no longer hear you, Hearing is the last of the senses to be lost. Although your primary responsibility is to the person who is dying, you must also be sensitive to the feelings of any relatives and friends who may be present. Encourage them to come sit by the bed and hold the dying person's hand while quietly saying goodbye, expressing their love, or that it's okay to let go. Violent displays of emotion, however, should be discouraged as they can upset the dying person and be a distraction to his or her spiritual practice. You must also be prepared to counsel and console friends and relatives who may turn to you in their grief, even if they themselves are not practitioners of the way of selflessness. The Moment of Death the most prominent outward signs of physical death are the cessation of breathing, heartbeat, and pulse. They may also include the release of bowels and bladder, enlargement of the pupils of the eyes, fixed staring, and a slackness of the jaw. 
When these signs appear, stay calm. Remember, a death that has been planned for is not an emergency. Do not call 911 as the paramedics who respond will try to revive the deceased despite his or her wishes to the contrary. If there is a physician, nurse, or hospice worker present, ask them to confirm that the death has occurred. If not, don't worry. Nothing needs to be done immediately, and in fact it is best if the dead person is left resting peacefully where they are for at least 15 to 20 minutes after physical death. During this period, you should ask family members and friends to pray or meditate quietly while you sit by the deceased's side, softly reminding him or her of what happens in the final stages of the passing through death's gate. For instance, you might say something like this, Dear friend, you are now dead, but your journey is not yet over, so do not become distracted. Pay close attention, for soon the last obstacles to gnosis will be removed. Now all thoughts are vanishing, and no new thoughts arise to take their place. Do not be afraid. You have no need of thought now. In place of thought, a white light dawns. Relax and allow it to fill your entire mind. Now all resentment, anger, and animosity are fading away. Again, do not be afraid. Feel how wonderful it is to be free of these forms of suffering. As resentment, anger, and animosity disappear, a golden light dawns. Relax and let this golden light penetrate into every corner of your mind. Now all desires, graspings, and attachments are starting to dissolve. Let them go. There is nothing to fear. Feel how peaceful it is to be free of these causes of suffering. As desires, graspings, and attachments evaporate, so does the golden light. Now your mind is emptied of all objects whatsoever and seems to be a complete void. But look, this void is no mere nothing. In fact, it is consciousness itself. Recognize this consciousness without an object as pure being, the ultimate reality, womb of all worlds, radiant with grace and bliss. Now realize that this pure consciousness is not an object appearing in your mind. Rather, it is the true nature of your mind itself. Recognize that your own mind and this consciousness are indistinguishable. By realizing that this consciousness is who you truly are, you are instantaneously freed from all delusions of I and other, self and world, forever. This is enlightenment, the end of the path. Say these instructions slowly, pausing after each point so that the deceased can fully absorb it. Repeat the entire set of instructions several times during the 15 to 20 minute period following physical death. Of course, it is not necessary to say them verbatim. You may use your own words as long as the central points are covered. After you have given these final instructions, invite the deceased's family members and friends to approach the bed and say their last farewells. If there is no doctor, nurse, or hospice worker present, remind whoever is responsible to inform the mortuary and or physician that death has occurred 
so that a death certificate can be issued and a time arranged for removing the body after the viewing period is over. If the deceased has had a relatively easy time passing through death's gate, your task as a spiritual guide is essentially complete, although again you may be called upon to counsel friends and relatives or to say a few words at the funeral service. If, however, the person had an especially difficult time dying, you should continue giving guidance once a day in the form of a prayer, reminding the dead person that whatever he or she is experiencing is simply a manifestation of consciousness itself and should be recognized as such and be embraced with love and compassion. Different traditions have different conceptions as to how long such prayers will continue to be effective, though there seems to be strong intercultural agreement that the dead remain in contact with the living for a minimum of three days. In Tibetan tradition, passage through the three bardos of death is believed to take a full forty-nine days. One reason it is difficult to fix a time frame for the possibility of post-mortem communication is that time itself varies with different states of consciousness. Thus, what constitutes a day for the living does not necessarily correlate with a day for the dead. The most prudent thing to do is continue your prayers of guidance for as long as you feel that a spiritual connection between you and the deceased still exists. Finally, as time passes, you may discover that having served as a spiritual guide was a good deal more traumatic than you realized at the time. In the days ahead, you may experience vivid and recurrent memories of the dying person, accompanied by intense emotions of grief, sadness, or fear. If this happens to you, the first thing to do is practice detachment. This means neither wallowing in these emotions nor trying to push them away. Allow yourself to fully experience whatever thoughts and feelings arise, but do not dwell on them when they naturally start to pass. The second thing to do is notice that while these memories of death may cause you considerable suffering, they also constitute a direct experiential teaching about the transitory nature of all things. Take to heart what Black Elk, the great Lakota shaman, said. It is good to have a reminder of death before us, for it helps us to understand the impermanence of life on this earth, and this understanding may aid us in preparing for our own death. He who is well prepared is he who knows that he is nothing compared to Wakantanka, who is everything. Then he knows that world which is real.